Amen. I'm happy to be back in the house of the Lord once again to gaze upon the glory of the Lord. Amen. Jesus, keep me near thy cross there Psalms 32, 
verses 8 and 9. Hallelujah. Psalms 32 is a song of David. Verse 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way. A definite article, in the way, not just any way, but in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. The Lord says, be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle lest they come near unto thee. They have to be controlled. Now go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 which is following the book of Psalms, immediately after the book of Psalms, we find the book of Proverbs, which was written by Solomon, King David's son. And even though it was penned by Solomon, we know that Solomon got the book of Proverbs through divine revelation and divine inspiration from the Holy Spirit. So he with his hand wrote it, but it was the Holy Spirit that gave him what to write. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3. And it is a well-known passage of scripture. Uh, sometimes we know scripture so well that we take it for granted. Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. In the King James it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now listen at it in the complete Jewish study Bible. Trust in Adonai with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, then he will level your paths. Don't be conceited about your own wisdom, but fear Adonai God Almighty, that's what Adonai means, and turn from evil. This will bring health to your body 
and give strength to your bones. Now, I kind of like it better in the King James when he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In other words, we should not put any weight on our own understanding. We should not try to prop ourselves up with our own understanding. We should not think that our own understanding will support us. What does it mean when you lean on something? It means that you are trusting that that thing is going to support you. So when the Bible says lean not on your own understanding, God is saying to you and I, don't put any weight on your own understanding. Don't think that, all, that, you can, that you can support yourself in your life with your own understanding. Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. If you're going to know anything about God, you got to search the scriptures. You got to go from scripture to scripture because scripture interprets scripture. Ephesians 1 verse 11. The Bible says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. He worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who, who first trusted in Christ. How have we gained this inheritance? This inheritance is given to us in Christ. The Bible says that God works all things according to his own will. He said don't lean on your own understanding. Don't think that your own understanding is going to support you but God has already put you on a predestinated course and that predestinated course is decided by his own counsel. God took counsel with himself. And work that thing out. Exodus chapter 13, if you don't mind. Exodus chapter 13. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 13. Amen. Exodus chapter 13. And while you're there, let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It says they're talking about the children of Israel who were in Egypt, who came out of Egypt's land. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were over throne in the wilderness. Now these things were examples or are our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters uh, as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. 
Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples as they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted uh, 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 but above you are, that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge ye, I say. He said, I speak as unto wise men. He said that these people, they murmured. These people lusted after evil things. See, that's what gets us off course a lot of times off of the course that God has put our lives on. When our, our feelings start getting involved in it and when our desires and our inclinations start getting involved in the situation, then we get sidetracked. Now go with me to Exodus. Exodus, the book, the book of Exodus. Uh, which means going out. It's, it, 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 the, the background is that the children of Israel were now in Egypt and God was about to deliver them from Egypt. God told them that they would be down there. God told Abraham 400 years that your people will be mistreated down in the land of Egypt. But then I'm going to send a deliverer named Moses to deliver them out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 13 Verse number 17. Hallelujah. 13 verse 17. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure or lest perhaps the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up. Which direction did they go? They went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for he had straightly sworn uh, made the uh, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, "God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you." And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham, in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way. Hallelujah. To lead them the way. Once again, definite article, not just any way, but the way. And by night in the pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The Bible says that the children of Israel went up out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Father, we ask that you would anoint this word. Father, that you would give us good ears to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. 
Lord, that you would give us a believing heart that might be mixed with this word so that it might benefit the hearer. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would speak to each and every person that is here today or those that are listening by podcast, Lord. Whether they're listening on Anchor FM, Lord, or whether they're listening on iTunes, Father, on Stitcher, or whatever their way they're listening, Father, we ask that you would give them faith in their hearts to believe, Lord. And that that word of God might be mixed with faith so that they might be transformed in their thinking so that they might be propelled from where they are to where you're guiding and leading them in their lives. Father, we thank you right now. I pray that your anointing would rest upon me. I yield myself unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message is What is Going On? Part 2. What is going on part two. Now I know that the devil is trying to fight against me, but that's all right. I rebuke him in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God's will will be done in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. I am of the belief that our lives, you and I, our lives, irrespective of ethnicity, gender, or age, or religious affiliation, I believe that our lives, that they are much more than simply an arbitrary thing. Did you hear what I said? I believe our lives are much more than just simply an arbitrary thing. The course of our lives is not left to luck or chance. Did you hear what I said? The course of our lives are not left to luck or to chance. There are people that have made millions of dollars, hundreds of dollars, and uh, trying to tell somebody about their future and, and what's in their future and which direction their lives should be going and getting them connected with some dead loved one that has passed away. And, and they call them mediums and spiritists and all that kind of thing. <clears throat> These people have made money have made merchandise of people. Because, let me tell you something, our lives are not left up to luck or to chance. They, Our lives are not a guessing game or something that can be discerned by a witch or a warlock or spiritualist. They are not privy to that information that the Bible said the secret things belong unto the Lord. Beloved, our life is not a runaway bus with no driver. Did you hear what I said? Our lives are not a runaway bus with no driver or a train without rails or a conductor. God has our lives moving on a predestinated course. A course in which we must always stay clear of our mind. We must be aware of what our thinking is in any given situation. We must steer clear of our emotions and how our emotions may have overcome us in every given situation and lead us in the wrong direction because we're going based upon how I feel and what it looks like and all that kind of stuff. We have to stay away from that. Faith has nothing to do with how I feel and what it looks like and all that kind of thing. Our will and the negative people, we must steer clear of our mind, our will, our emotions, and the negative people that are around us. 
How many people that have, have been stifled in, 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 their, uh, in their pursuit of God and in the direction that they were traveling because they got around the wrong person speaking negative things into their lives. They start listening to negative things on the television, on the radio, and wherever they were listening to it, and it begins to infiltrate within their spirit and within their mind. But let me tell you something. Whatever goes into your ear and your eye goes into your mind. Whatever goes into your mind can protect Essentially go into your spirit and that thing becomes a part of you and then you begin to act in, uh, according to the people around you and what they have said and the negative things they have said to you, you begin to feed off of that. And whatever you eat, it affects your health. Whatever you eat physically, it affects your physical body. And so whatever you eat spiritually, it affects your spiritual health. We must keep our eyes on God. Trust his leading through his apostles, his prophets. I said his. I didn't say those that became that, that just wanted to become apostles or pastors or whatever. I'm talking about those that are handpicked by God. We must keep our eyes on God and trust his leading through his apostles, his prophets, his evangelists, his pastors, and his teachers, and maintain faith in God's word and act on God's Word. We must know as we are as we are navigating through our personal experience with God through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. God is moving us, all Christians, all over the world, to a common goal. God is moving all Christians all over the world to a common goal. Those that are truly believers in Christ were all moving. The Bible said that I read in the beginning that they all were under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They all ate the same bread. They all drank the same drink. So God is leading us all in the same direction. He was leading them all into Canaan, but they all had individual experiences with God, even though they were a collective group of people. Hallelujah. As it concerns this message for the sake of an eternal benefit for the hearers, it is necessary that we observe the elements of God's leading of his people. We will expound on the methods and systems which make up the various elements. But before we do, let's define a couple of things. What does arbitrary mean anyway? What does it mean for something to be arbitrary? It means it's based on random choice or personal whim. Did you hear what I said? For something to be arbitrary is based on random choice or a personal whim rather than any reason or system. So you mean to tell me you saying that your luck, that your life can be determined by luck. Your life can be determined by happenstance. That means that your life is out of control because it, whatever comes along can influence the course of your life. Whatever event comes along in your life can can uh, can uh, affect the course of your life. You're saying that that the course of your life is being determined by something that you don't even know how to define. Because luck, our lives are not arbitrary things. Chance. Some people say it's just chance. It was just luck. It was just in the cards. That means chance means that you do something by accident or without design. You do something without 
with without uh, uh, design. You do something by accident or without design. That's what chance means. So you mean to tell me that there's no design to your life. There is no structure to your life. There is no rhyme or reason to your life. You're just going along living and maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe I should trust in the stars. Maybe I should trust in the universe. People don't even call God by his name anymore. They say, oh yeah, the universe did this and the universe did that. How did the universe do it? Because God is the one who is in control of everything. Predestinated means it's a verb meaning for a thing or an event to be predetermined. Predestinated means that that, that thing or that event in your life was predetermined. It means that it was foreordained, that it was ordained before it came to happen. Predetermined means or predestinated means or to mark out beforehand. That means God already marked things out in your life beforehand. Before you were even born, God began to mark out the road that you were to take, the people that you were to meet, the places that you were to go. God already had all of that marked out beforehand. David said, before any of my days came to be, you already had written them in your book. When we break the word predestination down in half, uh, the word pro means what? Before or uh, 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 for and, and horizo meaning to establish boundaries. The word pro means for, that you're for something. If I say I'm pro-life, that means I'm for life. Hallelujah. And the word horizo the other part of the word, the meaning of predestination or the word predestination, the other part of that meaning, it means to establish boundaries. So that means that God before established boundaries, before your life even came into being, God told the prophet Jeremiah before. Isn't that what he said? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that what he said? Before I formed you, before I formed you. But then why would we leave our life up to luck and play around with tarot cards and play around with a Ouija board and play around with witches and warlocks and, 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 and their talismans and all that kind of thing? Why would we play around with all of that when all of that does not determine the outcome of our lives? You mean my life is, is bound up in some kind of talisman. You mean the outcome of my life is bound up in some kind of tarot card or some numerology, playing with numbers and all that kind of thing. My life is not bound up in those things, but my life is bound up in God. The Bible said that we are hidden in Christ. Isn't that what the Bible said? The Bible said that we are made. Maybe y'all don't believe that, but the Bible said we are hidden in Christ. I believe it. As it relates to this message, it is necessary for us to understand the methods and systems that make up, that make up the elements that go into, that make up the elements that go into the leading, God's leading his people. Exodus 2 verse 11. Exodus chapter 2. Would you turn that with me please? If you don't mind. I know y'all ready to go. I see y'all looking at y'all time. I know y'all ready to get out of here. Amen. Everybody always in a hurry to get out of church. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 2 verse 11.
verse 11 and 12. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting in the Hebrew, one of his brethren, and he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The Bible said that when Moses saw the Egyptian smiting his brother, he looked this way and he looked that way. He killed the Egyptian and then he hid him in the sand. And he didn't think anybody saw him. Romans chapter 15. You don't have to turn. Let me turn there. Romans chapter 15. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 15 verse 1. Romans 15 verse 1. It says, We then that are strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. The Bible said of Jesus, the reproaches of those that reproach thee fell on me. Jesus is saying the reproaches of those that reproach you fell on me. Let me talk about the leadership just for a moment because in order for the children of Israel to get up out of Egypt, God went to the backside of the desert and he set a bush on fire and this man named Moses, Moshe, which means drawn out. When the daughter of Pharaoh drew him out of the Nile River, she said, I'm going to call his name Moses, Moshe, drawn out. So this man was on the backside of the desert leading sheep. He was busy working his gift. He was on the backside of the desert leading sheep. And God set a bush on fire, but the bush was not consumed. It was burning, but it wasn't consumed. And Moses knew that anything that's burning at some point ought to begin to be consumed by that fire, but that was not the case. And so Moses said, I will go over and I'm going to see why this bush is burning, but it is not consumed. It is on fire, but it's not it's not falling apart. It's not disintegrating. You see, whatever God does will never disintegrate. It'll catch on fire, but it will have burned up, but it won't burn out. Hallelujah. And so Moses went on over. He said, let me go and see why this bush is burning, but it won't, it's not consumed. And when Moses went over there, he didn't realize that he was about to have an encounter with God Almighty. And God told him, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. He said, Moses, take off your shoes. Because the place where you are standing is holy ground. You think this is just Mount Horeb, but I'm up here. And so since I'm up here, that makes it holy ground. You see, people are acting any kind of way in the church because they don't realize that when God is there, that makes that holy ground. And you ought to take off your shoes. And your shoes represent your own work, your own way of walking, your own way of living, your own way of conducting your life, your shoes. The Bible said, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news 
The shoes have to do with the direction that you're traveling. Your shoes have to do with the things that you're involved with. Your shoes have to do with how you're conducting your life, how you're walking. Paul said, walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Don't walk no any kind of way because anywhere God is, is holy. And, and, and God told Moses, he said, I've chosen you. I, look, I've seen the way uh, the children of Israel are being treated, but I can't send on anybody down there. I need to take one of their brethren, somebody who's going to feel what they feel, somebody who is going to be involved in a situation on a personal level. You see, ministry is always personal. We ought to take it personally because somebody that is out there saw that, that, that shares in the same flesh and blood that I share in the same physical kind of body that I share in, I ought to be able to know their pain. God doesn't want to call anybody that will just look at the situation of another person and say that's just too bad. I'm so sorry they're going through that. But God calls people that will be gripped in their hearts because of what somebody else is going through. God calls people that will begin to identify with that person in their struggle. That will begin to uh, to feel and to and to and to, and to be uh, 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 affected by what this person is going through. And that's our first that's our first uh, thing we want to deal with right here. Because the first element of leadership is commiseration. Some of y'all ought to write that down. The first the first element of leadership is commiseration because God can't have a leader that thinks that it's just all about them. God can't have a leader that all he's all he or she is in it for is a stipend, is a paycheck. All they are in it for is because somebody can say their name. All they're in it for is personal gain. But ministry is never personal. Leadership is never personal. Let me tell you something. God chose Moses because Moses was able to feel what the people felt. The Bible said that when Moses saw that Egyptian smiting his brother, he felt something. Anytime we see the devil beating on somebody and whipping on somebody, we ought to feel something. Anytime we see somebody that's bound up by Satan, going the wrong way, hooked on drugs, hooked on drink, we ought to feel something and do something about it. The situation because it grips us in our heart. When that Egyptian hit that Hebrew, it gripped Moses in his heart. It gripped him. He didn't handle it the right way, but it gripped him in his heart. See, that's another thing we can't allow. We have to handle each and every situation the right way. God didn't call us to kill nobody because they're beating up on somebody else, but he called us to, to, to be a, a vessel to lead them from where they are to where God is bringing them. God said this to Moses. He said, the cry of the people have come to me. They're not crying, and, and I don't know nothing about it, but they're crying, and I hear it. I hear what they're saying. I, I hear the moans and the, and the groans of the people that are down there in Egypt. He said, I have seen how terribly the Egyptians oppress them. There are things that we don't pay attention to on a daily basis. 
There are people that are going through situations that we never pay attention to because we're too involved in our own situations. Because we're too involved and wrapped up in what's going on in my life. We're too wrapped up in what's going on from day to day. Moses was out there leading the sheep through the death, through the uh, desert, the backside of the desert of Horeb. And so God had to get his attention. Many times God has to get our attention because we get too wrapped up in the day-to-day -day routines of life to even begin to recognize that my brother over there that I work with is going through something. That my sister over there that I work with is going through something. And maybe, just maybe, God wants to use me to lead them out of where they are to where God God is trying to bring them. You see, we have to be selfless if we're going to be a leader. We have to not worry about what's going on in my life, in my family, in my house, and all those kind of things. But we have to be detached from those things and attached to what's going on in somebody else's life. So what was God saying? God said, God, God was saying, <laughs> he said, God, God made Moses aware of what he was aware of. Anytime that we pray as leadership, anytime we get before God as leadership, it should not be to pull on God because I want a new Mercedes Benz or to pull on God because I want a new house or something like that. But the reason why we should get before God is because I want to hear what you're aware of. I want to I want to become a I want to be concerned about what you're concerned about. Isn't that right? Maybe some of us don't. But we should, as leaders, be concerned about what God is concerned about. Not how many did you have this Sunday, Doc? How many did you, how many you're running, Doc? How many, how many had in Bible study, Doc? And all that kind of thing. But we should be concerned about what God is concerned about. If we would hear some of the, some of the conversations that preachers have, it has nothing to do with what God is concerned about. It has nothing to do with going out on the street and praying and pulling somebody away from the fire and the pits of hell. God wanted Moses to be concerned with that which he himself was concerned with. He wanted him to get involved in the fight. You see, ministry is about getting involved in the fight. It's not about getting involved in the finest church with all the most people and the biggest offering and all that kind of thing. It's not about that. It's not about me on, on, on every billboard in Times Square and all that kind of thing. It's not about that. But it's about ministry is about me getting involved in the fight. Whatever is coming against a person, then I should get in the fight with God to deliver his people, to bring his people from where they are to where God is trying to bring them. Moses came to the realization of God's heart and the heart of the people. We should not just feel God's heart and what he wants to do for the people, but we should feel the heart of the people. We should be able to be touched by the feeling of their infirmity. The Bible said that Jesus, even though he was God, he put off his glory. He put off his divinity. He put off his godhood. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. The Bible said that he was a faithful high priest. 
that he was touched by the feeling of our infirmity. You mean to tell me you have a pastor that is not touched by your infirmity, that is not touched by your struggle, that is not touched by your family situation, that is not touched by what they're doing you on the job. You ought to get from under that pastor and get up under somebody that is touched. Somebody that is involved in the situation, not somebody that is uh, 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 so far removed from the situation that they can't be touched. How can you pray for somebody effectively if what affects them doesn't affect you? If you don't feel what they feel, how can you pray for them effectively? How can you minister to them effectively? How can you preach effectively if what they're going through does not grip your heart? Moses felt, he felt the blows from the Egyptians. Moses felt what the people felt. So that's the first Part of our message that we, that we want to deal with today is that, you know, God calls those who can commiserate, those who can feel what the people feel. And furthermore, we have made too many movie stars and, and, and celebrities out of preachers. But I can't minister to you from an ivory tower. I can't minister to you from some remote place. But I have to get amongst the people and feel what they feel, smell what they smell, hear what they hear. Moses was right there every step of the way with the children of Israel. He did not just point them the way, but he walked all the way through it with them, didn't he? Everywhere they went, he went. Whatever struggle they were involved in, he was involved in the struggle too. Some preachers, you can't call them. You got to get a hold of their secretary. And they're always busy. It's about the people. It's not about my schedule, but it's about the people. It's not about the next conference that I can preach at and the, most con the conference that will bring me the most money. It's not about that, but it's about the people. It's about you being able to get a hold of me when you need me. Now, don't make me your source. Don't make me your God. Don't make me none of that. But realize that a preacher, a leader, ought to be right there in the midst of the people. Jesus was so much in the midst of the people that they called him a sinner, that they called him a wine-bibber. He was so much in the midst of the people, leading them out of sin to the, to the fact that they started identifying Jesus with these people. Hallelujah. I ought to be so wrapped up and mixed up in people in their situation and everything else that's going on in their lives as a leader, as a type of deliverer, as a type of Moses to the fact that people begin to call me a sinner. People begin to call me a wine giver. People begin to call me a drug addict because I'm always around them, always trying to show them a way out. I'm always trying to tell them about Jesus so that they can be led out of where they are to where God is trying to bring them. Let me tell you something as I close. We should never be a part of a church. We should never be part of a ministry that the preacher doesn't realize that your main job is to get me from where I am over there in Egypt and bring me to where God wants me to be. 
We should realize as, as lay people, we should realize as prophets, evangelists, pastors, and missionaries, and all that kind of thing. It's not about your big hat or your fine suit, but it's about you bringing somebody from where they are and helping them on over out of Egypt, out of that oppression, out of that place that the enemy is beating the daylights out of them, and bring them over to where God wants them to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's our main job. Preaching and the ministry have been made into something else that it was never meant to be. It's not about celebrityism and all that kind of thing. But it's about helping somebody to get transitioned away from the power of the enemy. The Bible says about Jesus, the Bible said that Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you have called each and every one of us, Lord God, to make a difference in our world. Lord, you have called us to make a change in our society. Lord, you have called us, Lord, to be your people. Lord, you want us to show forth your glory. You said that we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation, Lord, that we should show forth your glory. So we thank you right now, Father, as we take of your body and your blood, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you were consecrated. For, Lord, I pray that you would bless the table. Lord, I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will speak to each and every one of us through the bread and through the wine. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to know that we all are one body in Christ. So as we take this bread, I pray that you bless it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, meaning many have died. Hallelujah. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry or wait 
is what the word terror means, one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation. And the rest will I set in order when I come. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, he says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let us all eat together. After the same manner, also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as this do ye as oft as ye drink in remembrance of me. Let us all drink together. And they sung a song and they went out. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross, and I know it was the blood for me. I know it was the blood, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross. And I know it was the blood for me. The blood came streaming down. The blood came streaming down. The blood came streaming down. For me, one day when I was lost, he died upon the cross, and I know it was the blood for me. It was Jesus' precious blood. It was Jesus' precious blood. It was Jesus' precious blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross, and I know it was the blood for me. It was Jesus' precious blood, oh yes, it was Jesus' precious blood, oh yes, it was Jesus' precious blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross, and I know it was the blood for me. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood for me. One day when I was lost, he died upon the cross, and I know it was the blood for me. God bless you. 
God bless those who are listening by Anchor FM, uh, iTunes Radio, and Stitcher. Uh, we thank you for listening, and we pray that God richly bless you and transform your life by this word. God bless you.